Chapter 12 of The Court by B. M. Bauer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 12 The Court Parries the First Blow. A car with dimmed lights stood in front of the court cabin when Swan drove around the last low ridge and down to the gate. The rattle of the wagon must have been heard, for the door opened suddenly, and Frank stood revealed in the yellow light of the kerosene lamp on the table within. Behind Frank, Lorraine saw Jim and Sari standing in their shirt-sleeves, looking out into the dark. Another shorter figure she glimpsed as Frank and the two men stepped out and came striding hastily towards them. Lorraine jumped out and ran to meet them, hoping and fearing that her hope was foolish. That car might easily be only Bob Warfield on some errand of no importance. Still, she hoped. Let you, Rainy? Where's Brett? What's all this about Brett being hurt? A doctor from Shoshone. A doctor? Oh, did a doctor come then? Oh, help Swan carry Dad in. I'm, oh, I'm afraid he's awfully injured. Yes, but how in the hell did a doctor know about it? Sorry, the silent, blurted unexpectedly. Oh, never mind, but get Dad in. I'll... She ran past them without finishing her sentence and burst incoherently into the presence of an extremely calm little man with gray whiskers and dust on the shoulders of his coat. These details, I may add, form the sum of Lorraine's first impression of him. Well, well, he remonstrated with a professional briskness when she nearly bowled him over. We seem to be in something of a hurry. Is this the patient I was sent to examine? No, Lorraine flashed impatiently over her shoulder as she rushed into her own room and began turning down the covers. It's Dad, of course, and you'd better get your coat off and get ready to go to work, because I expect he's just one mass of broken bones. The doctor smiled behind his whiskers and returned to the doorway to direct the carrying in of his patient. His sharp eyes went immediately to Britt's face, pallid under the leathery tan. His fingers went to Britt's hairy, corded wrist. The doctor smiled no more that evening. No, he's not a mass of broken bones, I am happy to say, he reported gravely to Lorraine afterwards. He has a sufficient number, however. The left scapula is fractured, likewise the clavicle, and there is a compound fracture of the femur. There is some injury to the head, the exact extent of which I cannot as yet determine. He should be removed to a hospital, unless you are prepared to have a nurse here for some time, or to assume the burden of a long and tedious illness. He looked at her thoughtfully. The journey to Shoshone would be a considerable strain on the patient in his present condition. He has a splendid amount of constitutional vitality, or he would scarcely have survived his injuries so long without medical attendance. Can you tell me just how the accident occurred? Excuse me, doctor and miss, Swan diffidently interrupted. I could ask you to take a look at my shoulder, if you please. If you are done setting bones in Mr. Hunter, I have a great pain in my shoulder from carrying so long. You never mentioned it, Lorraine reproached him quickly. Of course it must be looked after right away. And then, doctor, 
I'd like to talk to you, if you don't mind. She watched them retreat to the bunkhouse together, Swan's big form towering above the doctor's slighter figure. Swan was talking earnestly, the mumble of his voice reaching Lorraine without the enunciation of any particular word to give a clue to what he was saying. But it struck her that his voice did not sound quite natural, not so Swedish, not so careful. Frank came tiptoeing out of the room where Britt lay bandaged and unconscious and stood close to Lorraine, looking down at her solemnly. "'How in hell did he get here, the doctor?' he demanded, making a great effort to hold his voice down to a whisper, and forgetting now and then. "'How'd he know Britt rolled off in the grade? "'Us here, we never knowed it, and I was trying to send him back when you came.' He said somebody telephoned there was a man hurt in a runaway. There ain't a telephone closer than a sawtooth, and that there's a good twenty mile or more from where Britt was hurt. It's damn funny. Yes, it is, Lorraine admitted uncomfortably. I don't know any more than you do about it. Well, how in hell did it happen? Britt... He ought to know enough to rough lock down that hill. And that team ain't a runaway team. I never had no trouble with them. They're good at holding a load. They'll set down and slide, but what they'll hold her? What become of the horses? Why, they're over there yet. We forgot all about the horses, I think. Carolyn was standing up all right. The other horse may be killed. I don't know. It was lying down. And Yellow Jacket was up that little gully just this side of the wreck when I left him. They did try to hold the load, Frank. Something must have happened to the brake. I saw Dad crawling out from under the wagon just before I got to where the load was standing. Or someone did. I think it was Dad. But Carolyn kicked my horse down off the road, and I only saw him a minute. But it must have been Dad. And then, a little way down the hill, something went wrong. Frank seemed trying to reconstruct the accident from Lorraine's description. He'd no business to start down if his rough lock wasn't all right, he said. It ain't like him. Brit's careful about them things. Little men most always are. I don't see how in hell it worked loose. It's a damn queer layout all around. And this here doctor getting here ahead of you folks, that there is the queerest. What's he say about Brit? Think he'll pull through? The doctor himself, coming up just then, answered the question. Of course the patient would pull through. What were doctors for? As to his reason for coming, he referred them to Mr. Volmar, whom he thought could better explain the matter. The three of them waited, five of them since Jim and Sari had come up, anxious to hear the doctor's opinion and anything else pertaining to the affair. Swan was coming slowly from the bunkhouse, buttoning his coat. He seemed to feel that they were waiting for him and to know why. His manner was diffident, deprecating even. We may as well go in out of the mosquitoes, the doctor suggested. And I wish you would tell these people what you told me, young man. 
Don't be afraid to speak frankly. It is rather amazing, but not at all impossible, as I can testify. In fact, he added dryly, my presence here ought to settle any doubt of that. Just tell them, young man, about your mother. Swan was the last to enter the kitchen, and he stood leaning against the closed door, turning his old hat round and round, his eyes going swiftly from face to face. They were watching him, and Swan blushed a deep red while he told them about his mother in Boise, and how he could talk to her with his thoughts. He explained laboriously how the thoughts from her came like his mother speaking in his head, and that his thoughts reached her in the same way. He said that since he was a little boy, they could talk together with their thoughts, but people laughed and some called him crazy, so that now he did not like to have somebody know that he could do it. But Brent Hunter's hurt bad, so a doctor must come quick, or I think he maybe will die. It takes too long to ride a horse to Echo from this ranch, so I call on my mother, and I tell my mother a doctor must come quick to this ranch. So my mother sends a telephone to this doctor in Shoshone, and he comes. That is all. But I would not like it if everybody maybe finds out that I do that and makes talk about it. He looked straight at Jim and sorry, and those two unprepossessing ones looked at each other and at Swan and at the doctor and at each other again and headed for the door. But Swan was leaning against it, and his eyes were on them. I would like it if you say somebody rides to get the doctor, he hinted quietly. Sorry looked at Jim. I'm rolled like hell, he stated heavily. I'll leave it to Jim. You sworn hell did, Jim agreed, and Swan removed his big form from the door. You boys going over to Spirit Canyon? Frank wanted to know. Yeah, said Sorry, answering for them both. And they went out, giving Swan a sidelong look of utter bafflement as they passed him. Talking by the thought route from Spirit Canyon to Boise City was evidently a bit too much for even their phlegmatic souls to contemplate with perfect calm. They'll keep it to themselves whether they believe it or not. Frank assured Swan in his labored whisper. It don't go down with me. I ain't superstitious enough for that. The doctor, he comes, don't he? Swan retorted. I shall go back now and milk the cows and do chores. But if your shoulder is lame, Swan, how can you? Lorraine asked in her unexpected fashion. Swan swallowed and looked helplessly at the doctor who stood smoothing his chin. The muscle strain is not serious, he said calmly. A little gentle exercise will prevent further trouble, I think. Whereupon he turned abruptly to the door of the other room, glanced in at Britt and beckoned Lorraine with an upraised finger. You have had a hard time of it yourself, young lady, he told her. You needn't worry about Swan. He is not suffering appreciably. I shall mix you a very unpleasant dose of medicine, and then I want you to go to bed and sleep. I shall stay with your father tonight. Not that it is necessary, but because I prefer daylight for the trip back to town. So there is no reason why you should sit up and wear yourself out. You will have plenty of time to do that while your father's bones mend. 
He proceeded to mix the unpleasant dose, which Lorraine swallowed and straightway forgot in the muddle of thoughts that whirled confusedly in her brain. Little things distressed her oddly, while her father's desperate state left her numb. She lay down on the cot in the farther corner of the kitchen where her father had slept just last night, it seemed so long ago, and almost immediately, as her senses recorded it, bright sunlight was shining into the room. End of chapter 12 Recording by Tom Penn